Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me this fine evening, Nicole Davis, how are you? Uh, refusing to be squashed by the patriarchy, man. <laughs> y- yeah, that that's all. That's what this movie's really about. Uh, David right. Luzader. Resisting the patriarchy. That's right. David Luzader, are you resisting the patriarchy? No. Killing me won't bring back bees. This is murder, and you're doing it for nothing. Yeah. The only good thing. But it scene. could also be because we don't like you. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> uh, killing me won't bring back your honey. If you haven't guessed, we watched The Wicker Man. Now, you did this to us is when you, the audience, has the opportunity to vote on what we watch. And if you want to have an opportunity to do this, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can follow us on our social media channels on Twitter and on Facebook. And then when those come along, you will see a link over there to go on over to our website where you can either vote for an existing film. We always populate the list with films that have come close to winning in the past but have not won. Or you can add your own film, and that's where a lot of the weird stuff starts getting added, quite frankly. And this was one that got added probably two or three cycles ago. And it was funny because it said Wicker Man, and then next to it, it said Cage. Because they didn't want us to weasel out of it. <laughs> I can, no, that's the only been... thing I can think of, is that whoever put, whoever put it in didn't want us to go watch the better version. Because this no, is, of course, a remake. It's the 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 cage of your heart. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying. This movie <laughs> killed me. Yeah, it, it's it is a literal cage. Um, so we watched the Nick Cage version that came out in 2006. So again, if you'd like to be able to vote on these, if you'd like to have us suffer through the Wicker Man, or I believe last time around it was. Uh, Jennifer's Body, bad horror movies tend to be good fodder for that list, quite honestly. You can do that, again, by following us on those social channels. But before we dig into The Wicker Man, I do want to announce next week's movie. We are starting over. We have a new round. That means it's new to two. That is a film that the two of us have not seen, that one of us has. It is David's pick, so David had to have picked something that Nicole and I have not seen. David, what are we watching? So normally I try not to pick uh, too many foreign films outside of um, the the around the world because, you know, I don't want to deplete my stock there for when we're doing year 50 of this show. Uh, but I wanted to pick something that was a little bit Christmas themed, at least to get into the seasons. And the only Christmas movie that both of you haven't seen, but I could get to was <laughs> Tokyo Godfathers. So we're watching Tokyo Godfathers, which is an anime film. You're going to hear a little bit of folly Yay! work here. Tokyo Godfathers. For listeners that are not familiar, we don't actually know what these picks are until the actual show. That tends to be something we do where we surprise each other on the show. Oh, this looks pretty cool. I'm excited for this. All righty. Tokyo Godfathers. Check it out. And that's very timely because by the time that episode comes out, it'll be right around the time of the holidays. So very, very good. But 2006's Wicker Man, again, is what we watched this week. Uh, Edward Malice. What is a CHIP chip? California Highway Patrol. 
Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay, Cal- you know, California Tri- Highway Brett, Patrolman. Uh, Brad, how young are you? <laughs> <laughs> Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada. Uh, Larry you know. Wilcox. Okay, Boomer. Okay, no. Uh, Edward <laughs> Edward Malice, while recovering from injuries received when he tried to rescue a mother and daughter from a burning car, receives a letter from his former fiance. In it, she says her daughter Rowan has gone missing and pleads for his help. He travels to her isolated community, Summer's Isle, a matriarchy that seems to follow an earth religion and is preparing for their harvest festival. Malice begins to investigate, but the island's women are uncooperative and claim that Rowan does not exist. Can Ed find the girl and get her off the island before she plays a dark part in the island's rituals? This is a film that is a remake of a film that came out in the early 70s, which I rented at the beginning and was super bummed that it wasn't the one I got to watch. You were because like, this is t- pretty good. Oh, wait. Yeah. It, no, like, it was it was an interesting title card sequence. I was like, wow, I don't remember the movie being this dated looking. And Christopher Lee pops up and I'm like, oh, my God. And then I realized I was watching the wrong movie. So, Nicole, you've seen the original, though, right? I have. Yes. It's kind of the the flagship of the folk horror subgenre. So is is it is it great? Like is is it a good movie? Because I've heard good things about it. Than unlike this film, I mean, it's really dated. You know, the island is the residents of the island are very kind of hippy dippy. There's a lot more nudity um, in it because they're free spirits and it's natural and all that sort of thing. Um, and it has, you know, the policeman who comes is a devout Christian, and so there's more religious interplay going on. So it's deeper themed. It's the music is super weird. It's much more interesting. The actual horror is much more horrifying. Very little of it is gets played for laughs, even inadvertently. And uh, I would. I would definitely recommend that. Apparently, um, I have heard tell that it was Christopher Lee's favorite movie that he made. Yeah, I suppose he was so gung-ho of getting out of being typecast as vampires that he allegedly made the movie for free just to stop being <laughs> vampires. Oh, so. he got to be outside and in the sun. And- <laughs> right. well, yeah, I, I know he loved that movie so much uh, that he really hated this one. That does not surprise me. <laughs> so this one, though, uh, again, is is a remake of that last one. And I think what, what we're really dancing around here at the very beginning, and I think why this movie is so infamous in horror movie circles, is that it's the rare kind of horror film that's so bad, it's not even necessarily good bad, it's not necessarily compelling in its badness, as many bad horror films tend to be. That it's it it dabbles into comedy. It's comedic, despite its best intent to not be. Well, depends on if you talk to Nicolas Cage or not, because Nicolas Cage claims that they knew they were making an absurdist black comedy. Mm. You know, after the fact. <laughs> I don't know if I buy that. I mean, he overacts this movie to a ridiculous degree, quite frankly, and it just seems to me like everything just missed the mark and they were going for something that was not supposed to be as funny as it was. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at interviews of the writer-director, uh, Neil Labute, he, it seems pretty clear that he was taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. And that he was wanting to, you know, he knew that people were upset that he was doing a remake at all. And he was like, you know, that's you don't want to be slavish to the original material. And hopefully they'll realize that we aren't trying to do a strict imitation, but put our own spin on it. And But, oh, wow. You know, if you actually, I found out, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole doing research on this, and the original story, there's a, a story called The the Ritual, or Just Ritual by David Pinner, Pinney, something like that. Apparently, the writing in that is even worse. Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I need, so if you maybe I need to find read this. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to find like incredibly bad, overblown writing, that's that's worth hunting down. But uh, yeah, this is this is really bad. <laughs> and <laughs> this, and the writing, the writing is bad. Uh, you see, the directing so you, is bad. <laughs> right, and you you mentioned the writing, and I, now is as good of a time as any to to crucify it, because what's so egregious about the writing is that. It's written in a way where it, it's it's like the writer had an idea of emotionally where the script should go, but just didn't understand how humans talk. Like, there's a great scene in the beginning when he gets the letter from Willow saying, come to Summer's Isle, and shows it to one of his colleagues at the police station, and he just says, we were engaged. And then the uh, colleague says, wow, you were engaged, man? I, di- I didn't know that. I thought it was a girlfriend or something. And he says... We were close. And it's like all this stuff that almost is like it was written in reverse of what it should have been. And there's so much of that in this movie where you just scratch your head at the dialogue because it's borderline nonsensical at times. Yeah, it's pretty poor. Uh, There's just the way everybody's talking is like they're doing bad Shakespeare on purpose. You're like, what are these? What are these women like? So he shows up on the island and there's this really weird dynamic with the women where half of the women are talking like they haven't connected with the outside world in hundreds of years. And they're talking to your point in this, you know, kind of romanticized like style. And then the other half just don't. (laughs) <laughs> like the school teacher and it, it's just so baffling to me that the whole dynamic of the women on this island makes no sense it I, i'm reading through quotes right now and just the the dialogue is so bizarre this is nick cage you little liars rowan woodward is your classmate right. isn't she isn't she that is her desk and you're the biggest liar of them all i am warning you you tell me another and i'll arrest you myself First of all, what authority is he going to arrest her? He's a California patrolman in Washington State. He's got zero jurisdiction here. Oh, but he does not understand that. You know, I put a gif in our Slack when I was watching this movie of a dog cop that was like had a little it was like a little dachshund with a with a little cowboy hat on or not a cowboy hat uh, a policeman's (laughs) hat like chasing down a, a car because that's like the equivalent of him running around this town saying, look at my authority. Uh, and he does this from he's the a, get-go. 
Yeah, he's a remarkably ineffective investigator. He does nothing to ingratiate himself with the community. He's not at all subtle about anything he's doing. He's also like immediately, you're right, he's immediately hostile to them, like from the moment he gets off the boat. Well, not not immediately. As soon as they are, they're immediately hostile to him, and he just picks up the same tone instead of trying to save the situation by saying, "Like, look, okay, we we got off on the wrong foot here, right. but someone needs help, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm I'm trying to help find a child, and I would really appreciate it if you could help me out, you know." But he's just, you know, <laughs> so he's, you know, on all the women. The women immediately greet him. They like snicker at him and almost everyone's outright hostile. And it's not a surprise. He's trespassing. He's out of his jurisdiction and without a warrant on a privately owned island. You know, he's got no right to be there, but he acts like everybody should be super cooperative. Right. He, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I mean, as you said, he does everything wrong from the beginning. I just, I, you, you got to love it because I think this movie I, I swear to God, this movie was made with the first draft of a script. It was not made with revisions. Like they did not rewrite any of it. Like, uh, uh, who is, what's the director and writer's name? Or, uh, what was the, the writer? Neil Labute. Yeah. Neil Labute, uh, wrote a first draft, did a big line of cocaine off it and was oh, like, God. we're good to go. Uh, and then just like <laughs> made, made it based off of that. And it really could have used so much polish think that's fair to say yeah it could have and and nicole mentioned you know this is a private island and that reminds me of my favorite worst writing of the movie which is he goes before he gets on the island to this man that is flying a little you know <laughs> skipper plane back and forth to bring them supplies every day and comes to him and says you know what, could, what what will it take for me to get a ride on over to the island and immediately hostile the guy's like nope not taking you these are very particular people they're very private they don't want you on their island i'm not going to be the one that brings you uh, i don't want to lose my contract with them i bring them supplies every single day he says no like three or four times to which nick cage being the high roller he is flips out two fifty dollar bills or as he says ulysses and his twin brother to which point this a man immediately folds and drops him off exactly where he wants to be on this island and it's, oh, no, it's, so it's written awkward you paraphrase it more smoothly than than it's yeah. written. He writes it, take all of us, me, Mr. Grant here, and his twin brother, Ulysses. Like, what is, but is it the most confusing way to say I'm going to give you two $50 bills? <laughs> like, yeah, how about how about a hundred bucks? Would that help? You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> And I love that this that this that this like old man who reminds me of the guy at the gas station and cabin in the woods saying, you know, don't oh, go up the pass. Oh, he's harbinger. Yeah, that's yeah. what he is. He's, he is the harbinger. He's like, oh, oh, I wouldn't go there if I were you. Right. But I love how easily he is uh, he is persuaded to eventually there- take him there. They're always so easily thwarted. It's not, you know, that's never like, well, if you go there, you're going to be murdered. You know, they never tell them that. <laughs> They're just like, well, that be, better be careful. What was the point of killing him? Because he was like, what they say? Like, oh, we're going to have to teach him a lesson or something like but that. They and- wanted him. The point was for him to get to the island. That's a really good point, right? Like they are, uh, spoiler alert, they're luring him to the island. Well, Why would you kill the man who brought him? They don't just kill him. They 
like pull his eyes out and like semi sew his mouth shut and like take off one of his hands, they mutilate him. Yeah. Why? yeah and how are they going to get their supplies? Because it looks creepy. <laughs> That's all well and good. But why? Maybe they figure that like one of them can learn how to fly. So now they have his plane. And they won't have to depend on a man for their supplies. <laughs> Perhaps so. Uh, so I guess on, on the directorial side, do you, there's got to be a point, right, where you say, you know, get in the bear costume, Nick, and you realize that you took a left turn and just went to the wrong place. No, like, no, <laughs> no, because when you're making a movie, when you're making a movie, it, it feels like, like everything feels crazy. Uh, there's a great interview with Jason Alexander about pretty woman where he talks about how we thought that movie was nothing. We thought that we had made a movie that was just complete crap, that none of it was going to come together. And then it was pretty woman. It's, you know, everything is weird and you're just kind of trusting that it's going to work. <laughs> it didn't. I know. I just, if I was Nick Cage and I, I realized that, that that's a place that none of us can go to, that only he can be there. Oh, yeah, that's a dark place. That's a, Don't but, go there. But, God, if I'm putting on this bear costume, um, I start thinking twice about what I was doing. <laughs> and that made me think because I was looking back at, at his filmography and I, I think that it's fair to say that. So Nick Cage, we've seen him a ton now, uh, almost exclusively on you did this to us. And, uh, <laughs> And it's because he's one of those actors where whether it's, God, uh, face off all the way through this or whatever the weird movie he's in, he's done so many bizarre movies, but then he's also had some really incredible hits. Like, he's not a bad actor. I I, I no. don't think it's ever fair to say he is. I think he can do bad acting. I swear but he's a very terrible actor. We've had this conversation before. <laughs> we have had this conversation. But, but the point I, I am getting before. to... The point I am getting to is that if you look at his filmography, it seems like this is around the time he became more meme than man. Like, this is the time he bought 30 homes and bought a dinosaur skull and was crazy in debt and started making, you know, Ghost Rider movies. Uh, This seems like this is peak bad Nick Cage before he got over that hump and started making some some better stuff again. Well, this movie is more meme than movie. It's it oh, spawned three extremely popular memes just by right. itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we've got uh we let's see, what's the first one? Well bees. Not the bees. No, 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 no. It was how to get burned. Oh, and then yeah. the bear punching the woman in the face. God bless it. And then no, not the bees. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, no. Yeah, it, it absolutely has spawned a myriad of, of memes, and it is one of his most memeable movies for sure. But then I look at the era that this is also in, with you know, God, knowing Bangkok Dangerous, Lord of War, which we've seen here on this show, and it's surrounded by some of his worst work. Which, but also, as you said, leading up to it, he did you know adaptation, National Treasure, which is a national treasure, Matchstick uh, <laughs> Men. Like he was, he had a pretty good run of movies right before this, and then Wicker Man. Yeah, which, I mean, part which, of me wonders that if you look at his filmography, he is he's one of those actors that is he is nothing if not prolific. He's in at least a movie a year, sometimes three or four which is a lot for like a, ho- a Hollywood celebrity of his caliber. 
And it seems like the mid 2000s well, into the late 2000s was definitely the era in which he was taking jobs to pay for dinosaur skulls. When you were in the at. amount of yeah, you know, you're in the amount of debt he was, you have to work at the level that he <laughs> <Right>. was. <laughs> yeah, I right. suppose Although so. Although I think I think he seems to be on an upswing mm-hmm. lately. Well, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Mandy we've mentioned but never actually had on the show yet is wonderful into the Spider-Verse and I hear great your mom and dad is really good yeah yeah and then of course he has um goodness what's it called coming out uh color out of space oh, it's the Lovecraft one yeah the Lovecraft one and that's made by the folks that made Mandy so he is certainly on this upswing and it'll also give him that the year that this movie came out love or hate Oliver Stone I think World Trade Center is a really powerful movie and Nick Cage is pretty good in it so like he one of his better performances also came out this year, but I just it seems like peak cage to me for some reason this era. Uh Nick Cage, what is there to say at this point? Yeah. Um, it, you know, you you can criticize him, but you also got to love him. It's the guy that gave us Vampire's Kiss. That movie is a treasure <laughs> in its own weird way. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. So, and he and he yeah. he's, he he goes balls to the wall on whatever it is he does right the man doesn't mm-hmm. really phone it in that yeah. often like he's in this well, movie he's got the range you know he's got zero and then there's full cage, <laughs> there's full cage. <laughs> so, yeah you go like half cage you can go like quarter cage which is more like where you know the the average man lives like pay the ghost type <laughs> cage yeah he, he's, right yeah He's never not entertaining. That's his whole appeal. Yeah. I, I would argue that Pay the Ghost was not entertaining. That, that what? <laughs> Pay the Ghost. I would argue you, it, was a, it was a movie you actually oh. saw. Wait, it was I saw not that? entertaining. Wait, yes. Oh, man. I saw that movie. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay. Well, oh, not most of the time, he is at least entertaining. I can't believe I forgot yes. that movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is like if it, I believe this is our fourth Nick Cage movie, so we've definitely. I think we need to make a rule. I mean, we can't keep it out of you did this to us, but I think next time we get a Netflix roulette with Nick Cage in it, we got to just chuck it out. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think we're allowed the respin on that one. Uh, he's always going to be in you did this to us, right? It's like him and oh, yeah. Sandler, well, and like there well, are I, there are mainstays of that category. We have season of the witch to still see. So it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Yeah. So let's talk about some other elements of this movie. Uh, What's up with all the (laughs) twins? Uh, I'll put this in the docket and there, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's at least two sets. Well, there's the creepy old lady twins who talk in like exact uh, stereo all the Mm -hmm. time. Uh, And then you've got the Molly Parker nasty school teacher and her uh, indifferently hostile sister who I guess is supervising the male work crew. Mm -hmm. And then there's at least one set of twin girls in the schoolhouse. And I think there might be more in the bar. Hmm. Not 100% sure. I mean, man, all the girls in the schoolhouse look the same. Yeah, the only thing I can think is maybe like inbreeding. Is it supposed to be a sign of inbreeding? I don't, I don't know, because they they heavily imply inbreeding, but I don't. 
man, I don't know. I got this movie has <laughs> zapped me. It's my my brain can't go as far as this movie wants it to. You know, it it it's Is like it, somebody saw this and then was like, "Hey, I could do that better," and went and made Midsummer or Midsummer. Yeah, part of me. Yeah. I have not seen Midsummer, but part of me does wonder that do we. Do we, I suppose we have to give the original Wicker Man credit to Nicole's point at the top of the show for this, you know, folklore. I, what, what'd you call it, Nicole? Folk horror. Folk horror. There's also yeah. another British movie called The Witchfinder General that's also credited as being one of the early folk horror uh, films. And yeah, and don't get me wrong, like for some reason, there's nothing creepier than innocent townsfolk. Uh, it just that that's a trope of just you Are know they the innocent. No, I mean they 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 seem innocent enough when you first see them a little what? bit, right? Like they don't no, have weapons. No, that's, this, oh, yeah, sure, if that's your <laughs> level for innocence. <laughs> but the second he's off the plane, all of these women are so so creepy. Yeah, and I suppose that's part of the, part of the the trope that it actually doesn't follow, which is a lot of the time with these tropey type communities they're all very friendly and happy and nice to you and they're immediately hostile to him so yeah i suppose that that's true so this movie is like the 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 men's rights activist vision of the evils of women like every woman on the island either lies to edward laughs at him or ignores him completely Right. And you you put in our docket, you know, what does this movie think of women? And I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, They're always up to something. Right. But uh, is it doing that? Is is it actually, is the movie itself actually saying that, that women are like that? Or is it trying to shed light on the patriarchal society that thinks this way? That that's uh, how women are like. I would, I, I, I would believe oh, you're giving that, them a lot of credit. Oh. Yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> I would believe that th- that the folks that made this movie would love to argue the latter, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, well, yeah, given Neil Butte's body of work, I'm not so sure. Yeah, it depends on how much you think he can care about the patriarchy while on all the cocaine. <laughs> is he really on all the cocaine or uh, was no there's still some for everyone like else. he was right yeah maybe he's just writing like he was oh this was a man that did okay just so just for context for the listeners this is the man that did uh nurse betty uh, lakeview terrace the vicious kind and just a movie called sexting death at a funeral sure. i want to oh, i want interesting okay while we're on tangents, I want to close a circle right here because I, I <laughs> hopped over to the Midsummer Wikipedia page. And in the reception, uh, the critical response, Nicolas Cage said the film was exciting and said it was had it had Bergman-esque shots. So Nicolas Cage has thoughts on Midsummer. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Midsummer definitely takes some from some inspiration from at least the original movie. Right, right. And saying, there are a couple of things that you see here that you'll see in Midsummer. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying like th- but, that Midsummer was inspired by this. I'm just like there's definitely yeah. some DNA. <laughs> there's definitely some. Okay, DNA. yes, there's some shit. There's a tiny bit of shared DNA. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, most certainly. But but to answer your original question, Nicole, I don't know if this movie looks as deeply into the gender stereotypes that that we'd want it to that we'd want to believe it does. Um, and I think that's a problem with a lot of parts of this movie. You know, there's something here you put in our docket that said over the chalkboard in the classroom, there's uh, writing that roughly translates in Irish to uh, the king has no sting. And that, I suppose, is also part of the you know matriarchal society of honeybees. They're, someone's literally named Honey, and they have bees. So yeah, and little, you know the drone's on the literal only job is to feed and copulate right. with the queen. And then the drone must die. Right. Yes. Yeah. So. I, God, okay. It just, exactly. This, this movie wants to be so much more than what it can be. I think that's the problem. Well, also, I, where did yeah. you find that, Nicole? Did you did you find trivia or did you translate what was in the background? Oh no! Well, I I found. Oh gosh, what what was I looking at? I think I was looking for something about the twins, and it had a. You were looking for something to gouge your eyes out with, and you spotted. And there's this big. You know, there's this this big sort of plaque above the chalkboard, and I'm like, well, that's got to mean something important. So I went diving into Reddit and found uh, like this subreddit of people who actually speak and or write Irish, and it's a it's a very rough translation. There's some variations, but it's that's probably the closest to what they meant, especially since it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> also, as long as we're talking about that scene, has anyone in this movie actually read Don Quixote? Like the way that they both describe the definition of quixotic and how she tries oh, to say he's quixotic, a man, and then how he tries to then throw it back at her doesn't make any sense. Like no, oh my god, so. Oh, I'm playing also, 4D chess, Brett. You wouldn't understand. Get on, another <laughs> on a whole other level. Yeah. Um, God, this movie is just... It, you're left, like, befuddled and and just offended that this exists well, after watching it. Yeah, but I mean, and Molly Parker is the playing the school teacher, and she is just so hostile and smarmy and smug that i wanted to punch her myself yeah i never (laughs) thought i would dislike molly parker in a movie and yet here we are yeah Yeah, she's just so nasty and i mean she doesn't need to be to get rid of him no no in fact much more convincing in the lie without if they were less nasty so i don't I don't understand this movie. Uh, So they needed him to come of his own free will. I get that. He does that when he arrives. Why then the rest of it? Is that part of it? They not only lie to him, but there's two or three different lies floating around, right? There's, oh, she's not dead. She never existed for the little girl he's searching for, Rowan. There's, uh, she is burnt to death. There's, she's in a shallow grave out by the old church but she's not like there's all these various lies that seem like just set dressing to a incredibly elaborate and poorly designed plot that they don't need because he's already on the island why it it seems like 
they needed to like they needed him to go through this whole ritual of saving the girl but they never ex- like made that clear they all they said was you came here willingly which he did the second he showed up on the island like just grab him and burn him up then <laughs> well i maybe i don't know cuz he he came to the island willingly and then he snuck into the procession at the end willingly so he actually went to the ritual by his own free will in a bear costume in the bear costume <laughs> <laughs> i just don't want to don't want to don't want to lose track of what's important uh all right trying to be disguised as sister beach right just when he walks down the stairs and just punches her is <laughs> so it's the ultimate what is going on at this point <laughs> well she says what does she say let me see uh i wrote it down it's like you something about worse for wear or something like that yeah he's <laughs> having a like a terrible day and yeah she sister beach chibes that he looks a little the worse for wear and he decks her <laughs> <laughs> I love the bear punch because there's like a full body movement to it. It's so perfect oh, for gifts. Woman. Oh no, <laughs> I'm, right. I'm talking about the bear punch when he has the bear suit fully on. It's it's just a, this full body swing of the arm that like yeah. his like leg lifts up. It's so perfect for gifting. And uh that is kind of the end of this movie. So, you know, the last 20 minutes of this movie um, you know, David put in our docket, would we even talk about this movie today without the last 20 minutes? Because no. that's when it finally, <laughs> at least in my opinion, gets bad good, right? Like now it's at least entertaining. It's it's the part that everyone talks about. It's the part that, that you know, you see the, I mean, sure, there's a whole like how to get burned, how to get burned and like yeah, that. Everywhere, everything from that point on from how to get burned is where it goes off the rails. But right. everything before that is not worth it <laughs> it's not, and even the last 20 minutes i would argue are not really worth it and why does he trust willow right because she can't she doesn't seem to be able to give him any information it's like she's been locked in a cave and come out to discover that her daughter is missing so that she d- literally doesn't know doesn't know why she wasn't at school, doesn't know when she was taken exactly, doesn't know where they might have taken her, doesn't know why there's a doll in her grave, doesn't know why she hasn't dug it up herself, you know. Oh, and he's shaking doll. the burned doll in her face, going, how to get burned? And she's like, I don't know. You know <laughs> doll, from the moment that doll... puzzled face at him constantly. From the moment that doll shows up at the beginning of the movie when it keeps being chucked out the window by Willow in this vision of of his oh, or whatever, kid. it is it is so just incredibly stupid. And uh, I, for me, like I saw this movie a bunch when I was in high school because this was absolutely like the meme movie that we'd all watch and make fun of in high school. And I haven't seen it since, and it doesn't hold up nearly as well. Um, the ending is gratuitous to a degree like we just focus on you know the breaking of his legs and the honey torture and like it's just a little much um i didn't really find it as fun this time around but i will say not the bees is classic it's because it just suddenly ramps up out of nowhere it goes so intense and i forgot that he has a bee allergy like i forgot that that's a big part of it is that he literally comes to this bee island equipped with three epipens yeah. Oh my God. 
So, but I don't think we would talk about this movie without these last 20 minutes. I really don't think we would. And I mean, yes, there is a spectacle of the actual Wicker Man. And and like, for instance, this is so ingrained in meme and popular culture that when Blizzard put out a game last year, an update to World of Warcraft, game 15 years old now, there's a whole side quest subsection where you're going through these ritualistic peoples that live in these hills and there's witches and all this sort of stuff. And there's these random people in front of a giant wicker man effigy burning it. And the whole quests are centered around bees. It's, it's a giant in joke pointed at the wicker man. And that is how ingrained in pop culture it has become. And I think David's right. It isn't hundred percent because of the last 20 minutes of the movie. So this movie wasn't screened for critics, which is never a good sign. No. I know, right? <laughs> uh, they didn't want people finding out early, hey, this is not worth your time. And uh, it's it's definitely not. I, I think they were correct in not wanting to show that to to critics because I don't I think it would have driven people away and it just did the only reason it exists, the only reason we talk about it at all, as has been said, is because of just the, the insanity at the very end. You just have to sit through well, an hour and 20 minutes of nothing. Yeah, and then the last 25 minutes, you get the how to get burned. You get him pointing a gun at a woman and going, step away from the bike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he punches no less than three women in the face. Yep. <laughs> Seriously. He's in a bear suit. You could, gets his legs broken. You could... If you just want to see, like, what is this movie all about? Just watch the last 25 minutes. It'll be yeah. insane and have no context, but that's fine. <laughs> you don't yeah. need it. You don't know. You don't need it. So what? what is better? Uh, not the bees slash killing me won't bring back your honey slash um, give me the bike or the last time we saw Nick Cage put the bunny back in the box. Oh, gosh. I think put the bunny back in the box. Because as soon as I heard uh, step away from the bike, all I could think of was put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> that's that's exactly <laughs> where my mind went. When Nick Cage is yelling at you to put something away, I just think of the bunny in the box. So, uh, Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Con Air is like, a fun movie, though. And I will give Con- for as much as we poo-pooed Con Air, at least it's fun to watch for the most part. For the most part, yeah. Like yeah. the performances I, I are, the are most... interesting enough that this doesn't have that, right? Like this, this lives or dies. Everyone in this movie is emotionless and boring. Um, the woman, you know, playing the character of Willow is entirely void of any sort of interesting personality traits or nuances that would make that relationship between her and Ed interesting. Uh, he's the only character that is a character, and that required him then to ridiculously overact this movie. And, you know, one of the things Nicole put in our docket is, how would you fix this movie? And I haven't seen the original, and I suspect it would just be to make one closer to that. But I would almost argue to, to just go earlier. Let this be insane earlier on, if we're going to end up there anyway. Yeah, I guess for me, it would be fix the dialogue make it make the movie more compelling make me care about these characters so when this finally goes off at the end give me more about the willow and i can't remember nick cage's character's relationship like uh, the movie tells me a whole lot uh you know we were engaged but i don't ever get the sense that they liked each other that much 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, have a flashback. I guess. It's, <laughs> it's the perfect place for a flashback. But even then, like, there's, there's, there's room for exposition when he comes to her and he says, you know, m- you know, typically the the groom gets the the ring back from the runaway from the runaway, you know, fiance, and uh, he has these lines where he's digging for answers from her, and all she'll give him is, "I was scared. I went back <sighs> home to my commune," and that's it. So, yeah. I mean, the one subtle thing I noticed was sort of subtle. Uh, (laughs) This movie has something subtle in it. (laughs) When he's on the when he's on the ferry, he's putting on aftershave, you know, to go see Willow. And I'm like, he's going to meet a woman whose child has been missing for two weeks, and she's presumably distraught, and he's thinking about getting with her. Oh yeah. He, oh, he's constantly he's straightening the tie. Well, he's fixing the 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 sweater vest jacket that he's wearing when he first comes. And how how not distraught is Willow? Speaking of yeah. a woman who should be totally emotionally broken, it's just like ah, my daughter's gone. That sucks. Well, yeah. They were She's all in somewhere. on it. <laughs> I just don't know where. Yeah. Can you help? But oh god, no. I just want. Uh, this movie makes my brain hurt. <laughs> I think the most absurd line of dialogue that made me laugh that I I don't think makes as many people laugh as it does me. But he's, you know, it's at the end. They pin him down. He yells, you bitches at them. They break <laughs> both his legs. Oh. And then they sit him up for the bee helmet. And as they're sitting it up, sitting him up, he yells, don't move me. <laughs> like, I'm in pain. Is that? No, but I mean, you're not supposed to move an injured person. Right. <laughs> don't move me. And I'm just like, wait, do you think if they leave you lying there, someone's going to come help you? Right. Is that before or after board? he says, killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey? And then to which Sister Summer Isle says, oh, but I know it will. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can you say to that? Right. Or or the or the bag at the beginning. I'm I'm just thinking of these of these the scenes bag. now. The bag. He's like, what's in there? A shark? <laughs> like, yeah. Or the part when he's wandering around the house and like opens it up and there's like a guy in bed and there's a, a woman covered in bees. Oh yeah, the bee lady. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God Which, help us. Why? Why is she sitting in that room covered in bees? Wonderful Why question. Why would she be inside? Great question. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, in any case, <laughs> trivia, <laughs> um, Edward uh, Malice, Willow Woodward, Edward Woodward, the star of the 1973 original, also Edward is included in the plant names. Malice is a genus for apple trees, in addition to being Latin for bad. Nicole, you put that in our docket. Yeah, he even makes a jab at some point where he's like, you, Rose, another plant name. Uh, they all have yeah. plant names. Oh, yeah, and- another plant. Ooh, ooh. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of what he sounds like, actually. Yeah, no, that is exactly <laughs> what he sounds like. He, it's he also- sounds like a... 14 year old you know feeling uh, yeah that's what you sound like Ugh. it's also kind of peak nick cage haircut like i was just thinking about that as well like he just looks 
I don't know when what is Nick Cage's haircut like what style of hair hair is that it's well it's like you know how you used to in the 90s and early 2000s you'd go into the salon you'd say give me the Rachel uh you just go in there and you say give me the cage and that's uh they put it's, something over your head and pour some bees in there it's like it's like it, it's like the 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 balding version of Tom Hanks's Da Vinci Code hair is like Nick Cage's perpetual he, haircut. I don't know why he doesn't just go for the Bruce Willis stubble or, you know, like Jason Statham. Just shave it down so that there's a shadow there, you know? Right. He must yeah. have a really weirdly shaped head. I think he does, yeah. I think yeah. he's he's hiding one. Yeah, no, we, we saw Kingdom yeah, of the like Crystal Skull. skull or something. Yeah. <laughs> Weird back there. So, guys, is there anything else you'd like to touch on with the Wicker Man that you did this to us pick oh, for this round? Boy. No, um, no. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, the writing is so bad. You know, his talk with Sister Summer Isle, made by Ellen Burstyn, who must have had a car payment or something. <laughs> um, but she's telling him about how the island was settled and she says my celtic ancestors rebelled against the suppression of the feminine and supposedly they came over yeah came over to america settled near salem Uh, uh, and when the witch when they saw the witch trials happening they went west which is I'm sorry, there were not a lot of settlers in 1692 who were going westward into the wilderness. Yeah. They went real far west. <laughs> real far. Super far. Uh, settled the island in the 1850s. I mean, did we had we made it to California in the 1850s by then? I don't know. Yeah. So the men are an important part of our little colony. Breeding, you know. Right. Oh, Ellen, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, she looks beautiful. You know, Who maybe that was it. Maybe to? they lured her in with like a character <laughs> sketch, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, I can, I can have the long, flowing, curly hair and these flowy gowns. Sure, why not?" Yeah, this was this was a who who who's who of of the female character actresses. It was just they got all of them in one room, and then trapped them on an island. We're like, "Yeah, now you have to do the Wait, movie." What's Lily Sobieski doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I the only thing I will say is that I, I think a, a website worth checking out I read this afternoon in preparation is there is a a person that created a website called A Year in the Cage. And um the endeavor is to watch every Nicolas Cage movie in one year. Um you can join Ooh. in on it. It's one of those sick things that has like you can track your own progress and it says you, you know, the rules of engagement or engagement, sorry, is oh. that oh. all Nicolas Cage movies must be watched within a year. You have to stay in the cage. So once a movie is started, it has to be viewed through the end credits and then use the cage list to track your progress, which they have like a detailed list on their site and all that stuff. But in any case, they actually go through and they have a rating system for like they have cage time. So they look at the at the runtime of the movie and just see what percentage of the movie Nick Cage is actually in, of which he's 98 percent of this movie. So fortunately, it's very high cage time. Um, zero cage kills, but six cage flip outs, uh, which are mostly defined as when he just kind of irrationally yells um, as he's want to do. Uh it's kind of a great website. I kind of love it. 
and it has top 10 cage quotes as well three of which are from this movie so hats off a year in the cage what a great horrible idea uh i think they'll do it for us though next week again david what are we watching tokyo godfathers tokyo godfathers be sure to check that out and you can find all of our links for social on social.mgrpodcast.com and you can email the show hi hi at mgrpodcast.com we would love to hear from you david where can people find you online you can find me at davluz that is d-a-v-l-u-z and what about you nicole at your word whiz but i haven't tweeted in about eight months so you can check our facebook page at um facebook.com slash movie garand podcast right on be sure to check that out we will see everyone next episode with david's pick for around the world tokyo godfathers mm-hmm.